Hello! little business before we start the show. If you'd like to support the podcast, find us at anchor.fm forward slash magical podcast. We're also on Instagram. There's some links there. If you'd like to share the podcast, that would be greatly appreciated. There's a lot of easy links to do that on our Anchor site. Give us a subscribe there. Give us a subscribe wherever you listen. And if you find anywhere to rate and review us, that also gives us a lot more opportunity to share what we're doing over at Magical. So thank you so much for your support. And of course, check out the show notes where you can find links for our guests material and support our sister podcast, Lilith's Left Hand. You can follow them at lilithlefthand.com. They have a new website. Hope you check them out. Take care. All right, welcome to another episode of Magical Podcast. I'm your host, Paul V. I am here with a special guest, actually one of my old friends, Ross Ayasan, better known as Young Shanti. Uh, Young Shanti is an American reggae and dancehall musician. His album, Chalice Row or Dig a Hole, debuted at the number one spot and spent three weeks on Billboard's reggae album charts. He started out his career as a lead singer in a band called Starliner, uh, later changed to the stage name Ross Ayasan, and then later to Young Shanti. Young Shanti shared stages with artists such as Dead Prez, Wu-Tang Clan, Capadonna, Killa Priest, Kaimani Marley, Beanie Man, Inner Circle, and Half Pint, to name a few. Yeah, and he's just, we've just been friends for a really long time, and we're kind of just uh, spending this episode to kind of reconnect. Is there anything else? Uh, is there anything I missed in particular? <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot. That's a good introduction, you know? <laughs> yeah. Wikipedia, yeah, is... man. It's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing, right? <laughs> yeah. So I can't hide anymore, as you can see. Yeah, Wikipedia is amazing. So, yeah. Some of the accomplishments that um, I've reached are now public, public knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I invited you on the show because when we were young, when we were teenagers, we both we had separate experiences where we started to kind of question reality as it was presented to us. Definitely. That sounds fair. Uh, and we grew up in, <laughs> we grew up in a really very like, or at least, I mean, you didn't really grow up there. You moved there later. But um, when we met, uh, we grew up in a very conservative, very Caucasian, really like just a, just not a good fit if you want to like be able to explore those kind of experiences <laughs> but we somehow found each other we found friends in you know we found our small tight-knit group of friends and what i am recalling mainly is that when we were young and experiencing these things at least we had this small group of people that we could share with each other and share our experiences and some and some of us we could share it and People would listen and kind of, at least they'd offer an ear. But when um, I was sharing my experiences with you when I was young, I got confirmation. Like, I remember we were talking about, um, you know, I was finding out about, you know, finding out that, um, like, I'm an indigo child or and sort of that experience and sort of the expectations of the indigo children. And I remember, yeah. like, I started to experience um, auras and i recognized you all of a sudden as one and i talked to you about it and explained like what our place and purpose was and i remember it was so nice because like when i shared it with you it was like yeah totally i i totally feel that like we are here 
yeah to bring about something different and i just um so what so my main thing I, I want to bring you here is kind of share your awakening experience like what do you recall when you finally woke up and decided you know to, to become who you are now basically it's kind of like um i would say like resurrection you know like you you just found more of an intent to fulfill and more meaning and you know like a lot more meaningful life to follow and it's it's like it's hard to explain you know <laughs> without revealing too much but it's all natural you know number 1 it's all natural and it's these auras and these vibes that we've been feeling we've been seeing and yeah the um the affirmations we've been getting from each other you know to know that they, to know that it's real and to know what to follow you know and in that trod i just happened to meet with someone that was like the perfect connector for me for everything um it just made me really know who i am and the importance of trying to share that with not necessarily the world but just who i can affect personally you know oh yeah a absolutely. I mean, I remember that, you know, we were all, exp you know, a lot of it was, you know, there definitely was a lot of like plant medicines involved um, 100%, and yeah. exploring ranges, yeah. you know, just different experiences in that, at least to kind of test those boundaries. At least we happened upon them. But I, but I remember mostly like we eat, I remember you had a, a deep spiritual background, at least in your family. It wasn't, pervasive throughout but at least in i remember you talked about your uncle as being a very influential human being in your life that came to you to kind of help you find where where you are right now and find this uh, community in rastafarianism definitely and i would say even before that i have a i have a couple great uncles that were like spirit guides too the same way and they were you know they're 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 Africans, but they're also mixed heavily with, with Cherokee Indian and, you know, and, and one with Sioux. And so they're real like connected to their indigenous heritage and the use of the practices, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I was exposed to that at a young age. And so I was shown a different side of what I would think other people just kind of jumped into that realm, mm -hmm. you know? And, yeah. um, yeah, just kind of like it all homed me into being who, who know who I am and to know that it's like in my bloodline already. So it is like, it's a continuance, you know? And then, yeah, like my uncle, he passed, you know, two of them have passed that I'm talking about right now, but the latest, um, definitely got me into my spirituality. He was just, we were always really connected always really connected with Jamaica and always really connected with, with reggae music and with Africa and African music growing up. And that's just like how we shared our joys and pains with the family, you know? And he was kind of like, I would say the performer of the family, you know? And then he passed. And so there was no one really to like hold that void anymore or like fill that you know, <laughs> fill that gap or, or, or walk in those shoes. And so it just kind of, it naturally became me really. And um, 
some most people in my family kind of you know halfway thought it was a a direct like transplant you know (laughs) of the energy like where did this come from in you you know like you were just trying to play basketball we know you what where did this come from and now all of a sudden you just want to follow this and you know they kind of thought I was a little crazy and just thinking like my you know my uncle set my uncle's death set me off or something yeah well, it's, it sounds, I mean, I remember when you talked about him and it was just like such an important, loving person in your, in your life. Yeah. And it seems to be kind of a theme right now of people feeling that kind of what you felt back then is, is you're part of the, you're the part of your family that's come to heal the trauma that all your ancestors have experienced. Exactly. And it's very hard to explain that, you know, because it's like your family's like, why has it got to be you basically? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, they're like, yo, you're, you're like the oldest grandchild. All the rest of the grandkids are going to follow exactly what you do. So why, why you basically? Yeah. So I, you know, it was rough because at the same time I became, you know, that entity, I had to step away too to really like embrace that persona and be who I am. Yeah. You know, and now after I reach certain accomplishments, now I hear the other side of the family that wasn't so happy with some of the, my choices are now congratulating me on the decisions I've made. Not necessarily what I've done, just congratulating on me the decisions that I've made that I was able to walk in my own light, you know, and follow it mm-hmm. and not have to like really bow to the system, so to say, you know? Yeah. Find your own way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is possible. I'm not gonna say it's you know, it's not an easy road. But you know, you surround yourself with um a lot of like minded energies. And I, yeah. I tell you anything can happen, you know? Yeah. So Yeah. What what was helpful for you? Because I, I find that like that type of thing, you know, people who find this and then they are you know, something inside of him is like, this just isn't right. Like the, the life that, you know, society school wants to have me go on. I'm just, I know I'm not going to be happy. Or sometimes we try it and we're just so unhappy. Yeah. But then when you, that alternative thing, it's like, like what you're, what we're talking about, or at least what your experience, like, how did you get over that, that feeling? You know, they, they place that thing about oh well that why you who are you and even you even it comes from even with within who am yeah. i why am i here to do it how, how do you like what were some helpful things to help you get over help you get through that well just you know definitely um the herbs are a main thing to keep you focused and grounded so that's something that's been a very strong part of my whole entire like life, basically, you know, especially Mm -hmm. since we grew up together, that's been a huge part of my life from that time till now, you know, I would say that gives you a little bit of inner strength, a little bit of inner focus. And it's like, you can, I feel like you get the answers you need, you know, and like you just your day to day life and your day to day living. I mean, to each his own, you know, but that's, that was what grounded me. Like anything else became a distraction. 
So I had to cut everything else off and everything else out. Even if it was, it helped me become part of who I am. I still had to disregard it. And you, you understand what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. That was the major, I think, grounding for me was like just coming into that whole movement and never letting go, you know? It brought it brought me into music. It brought me deeper to my spirituality. It brought me a deeper connection with my wife, who I still have now. You know, it keeps me connected with my family, keeps me connected with my friends. You know, so it's 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 a personal grounding. It's like we all have what do you call different little things that hitch us up in life, you know? But we're not supposed to focus on all of the negative energies and all these things that are trying to tear us down. You're all, you're really supposed to focus on the positive things. And when you focus on the positive things, you, you start realizing that the positive things always overwhelm the negative things. Mm-hmm. And so then, you know, you're on the right path and it's just that confirmation I think um, is important when you're on your journey from you know, your youth to becoming a man or becoming a woman in this life, you know, like that confirmation is important. And so I just, uh, I was, I got, I was firm in all the confirmations, you know, everything was firm, like from this to this, to this, to this, to this, to where it just kept me in line and kept me in check. And I didn't have to apologize for it. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. My mom, my mom, Definitely is a pillar strength, you know, very overstanding and always there to like, uh, get me through any funks or anything. Yeah. Yeah. She always provided us a really safe space. Yeah. You know, so my mom has always been that, that pillar. Yeah. And amazing woman. Yeah. Many members of my family, but you know, my, my mother for sure. Yeah. Those yeah. Are... So when you were first starting out, um, like what were the kind? So and let's let's start with using herb as a ritual practice. In a lot of people use cannabis, and sometimes they have different experiences. And it's it's not one size fits all. But for you, you seem to. Well, I mean, it it, it is a ritual in the spirituality that you tend to follow in Rastafarianism. But there there, I think you even like you made it your own and how you do it. Like, is there something to it that made sense to you as far as like how you approached how you approached cannabis in your life honestly it's always been a thing that's been like some people were more i guess like social smokers i'm an extreme personal smoker you know it's not like it's it's not important that everybody's seeing me smoke or that i'm smoking with everyone so more time I was always on cannabis, you know, through all the situations that we faced, you know, my life was just clear in all those moments. Anything else was like a haze. It was just trying to like get through something or be like the crowd or just to hang out, you know, have a good time or something every once in a while, you know? Yeah. It just wasn't really me, you know? And then for me, cannabis, it just has this, this interconnection, like I'm saying, it's a confirmation that you get from everything, from the spirit, from, you know, from your mind, from your physical, from everything. So it's just not, it's not even just about the way you feel, you know, it's the way your mind processes information. 
and your spirit is just like enlightened and awakened, you know, it's like, I can hear the ancestors. I can hear, I can hear the most high channeling, you know what I mean? Energy into his vessels. Cause we're all his vessels, you know? And then you, you start figuring out there's a whole nother side to this life thing that we tend to overlook by trying to sit in a box and only worried about, you know, nine to five, trying to make money to survive. And so again, I give thanks for cannabis because it was like another means for me to escape that reality. You know, cannabis has many aspects, you know, to, as you can see the rest of the, um, the legal states in the world right now, bigger, bigger businesses are the ones that are trying to capitalize on the trend and capitalize on the money. It's not like they really want us to capitalize on that trend. And so it shows you that how big the money and the value of cannabis has always been, you know? And so it's, um, and it shows you from nature, something from nature has this, this, all this value, you know? So it taught me how to farm the earth more and how to love the earth more and not just about herb, about food and about, you know, everything about the soil, you know, it's pretty, it's, I would say it's definitely the most, if you, if you, if you practice your spirituality and you use herb, I was, I would say that you're almost like a clairvoyant in ways, you know, it's just, you're, you're receiving visions like so frequently and you're able to interpret information very quickly. It's not quite what people would assume, you know, from someone that smokes a lot of weed, I guess. Yeah. Sometimes my concern is those experiences that you are sharing with sort of that lineage that you come from, whether mm -hmm. it be the indigenous peoples of the Americas or the indigenous peoples of Africa. And yeah. sometimes my concern, at least I was talking about it with one of my other friends, uh, is that the the way that now that herb or any of these other medicate, you know, any of these other things that are coming onto the market or potentially coming on the market, it's like, yeah, does that, so you have all these people communing with the spirit. You have a practice where you're actually trying to connect with the spirit as a being. But yeah. then other people are sort of, it's, it's, it's weird. It's like almost like taking for granted that, uh, experience that our ancestors have passed on from generation to generation. And um, there's some, I, it's like some concern that we're, you know, th those of us who aren't really, ta really taking that into consideration are abusing the, the, the message it's trying to tell you and maybe ignoring it completely. Yeah, definitely. You know, I, I, yeah. <laughs> no, hundred percent, bro. That's how it is right now. You know, and I guess it's it's strange because it's always kind of been that way. You know, the more you really get into it, you start figuring that certain people shouldn't be doing certain things, and then certain people, it's like they're meant to because they're able to speak about their experiences and function through them and everything else. You know. So like, you remember reading like a lot of those Carlos Castaneda books and stuff. It's just, 
some people are never going to go into the realm that they're seeking the way that they're seeking to get there. You know, everyone has to follow their own natural path, just like a stream would take to get to this source of energy. You know, you can't just like pretend and, and, and copy some other, any other practices and think that it's going to work. You know, I have friends that I'm not going to name names and stuff, but yo, they fly all over to South America and do all kind of these crazy practices. You wouldn't believe some of the things they, they do, you know, but <laughs> did they come back and change? I mean, for a moment, you know, so is that like a real change? If you come back and it's just like momentary, or are you supposed to uplift your standard and uplift yourself and change, you know? And so I think that's more or less like what everyone's missing that don't have, that doesn't have the connection, especially to indigenous people or anything. Cause all this, you know, that's what our ancestors, some of the, this is, wasn't just their medicine, you know, these are some of their spiritual practices and different awakenings and different ways to heal the earth and to heal each other, you know? And so to even like, learn any of those things i think you're you'd be leaning more on the right path of like getting into that when you dis when you disregard all of that stuff then it's like yeah you know like put it this way you disregard all that stuff you're gonna have a bad trip i've always told all my friends that for a long time <laughs> yeah that's i think and and that would that's something i actually like to recommend to people who are a lot of people are all i i I'm always hearing lots of conversations in the community that I'm in the younger there. I'm in various spiritual communities, but there is one that I am in that's fairly young and mm -hmm. they're always trying to like look for cheat codes. To yeah. Video game, you know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's kind of like, they're like, well, I'm going to take a heroic dose of something, whether it be, you know, mushrooms or whatever they yeah. LSD, whatever, whatever, yeah. you know, they're looking for that shortcut, which it's there, but it's momentary. <laughs> yes. It's not going to last you. You know, if you can hold on to that moment, that could be scary, actually. You know, <laughs> we had some friends that kind of got stuck and lost in those moments. So <laughs> it's more yeah. about your awakening, you know, and your connection and feeling your connection with the ancestors yeah. and with the earth, you know? Yeah. It opens doors, but sometimes you get, don't get to choose that door. No. Yeah. You don't necessarily, it's more of a flowing. Yeah. Like if you try yeah. to dam up water for too long, it's eventually going to break the dam and still goes where it wants to go. You can't stop the natural flow of life or anything. So the more you try, the more, you know, you're going to find it's just, it's almost pointless. You know, you're just going against the current all the time. So I actually had some experience with uh, in, uh, some indigenous practices here in the Americas. Yeah what were yours that you could maybe share that were some pretty eye-opening for you? Um, definitely bear dance and preparation before sun dance, just learning about different um, Lakota culture. When I was in Oregon was really, was really interesting. You know, a lot of the, um, the sweat lodges and yeah, they're, they know what's going on. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> 
Yeah, I found them. I found them this last year. Yeah, yeah, they can definitely bring you to that realm and and help you explore um, anything you need to explore in that realm. I would say. You know, they're like the they're like the, they're like the guardians of that realm. I would say. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it just gives you more of a connection back to your past. I mean, if you have that, you know, some people have it, some people don't, and some people just will flow with it even if they don't have it. But that's yeah, Mason. I can I can say it's the it was like it's like the same energy. You know, the same energy I, I've experienced with indigenous cultures is the same energy I've experienced with Rastafari. Cause I came in like Naya Bingi and now I'm also coming Bobo Shanti. We know we're the same. We're just two different mansions. And so it's like two, it's like in two different forms of indigenous practices, I would say, you know, just to explain it to someone that doesn't understand Rastafari to the, to the T like I'm, I'm describing. Yeah. And, um, yeah, within the Nyabingi, within which is like a drum circle for someone that doesn't understand, you know, within that vibe, it's it's the same in indigenous culture, in Nyabingi, from Africans playing, you know, you were saying when we started this, like the band I started with is um, named Starliner. Most of the members were from Ghana and they were renowned drummer drummers and you know a couple guitar players but renowned drummers from from ghana and they came to the united states to teach colleges how to you know basically drum african drum styles and stuff like that and so that was like the first real band that i was in where i was leading the band and we were playing and doing some international shows and things and i was exposed to a lot of different indigenous drumming patterns and styles and with a lot of like world renowned master drum, you know, drummers. And as you remember, like when I was in that realm, I always kind of had a drum on my back in that time when I was a, as a youth before I was even fully into my spirituality, I still had this drum on my back. I didn't even know why all the time, but it ended up, that's the reason why, you know, <laughs> it's just all part of the calling. When you were, it like finally settled on that. I, I found this spiritual calling in Rastafari. I've found I'm going to be a musician. This is, this is, um, I've, you know, you found your partner. Yeah. Um, what, and then I recall, this isn't, uh, this isn't, I mean, it's just like, I'm, I'm just getting so many of these experiences now that I finally, it, it just took, like, it's like, I remember having those experiences with you, but then just you went for it and I, I honestly was just frightened by the responsibility yeah. and running from it. But you came into this point where I remember um, you started, uh, you know, having, sh- you know, sharing, sharing your home, having sort of a community living, which I feel like a lot of people are actually seeking right now Definitely. because there is just so many people open to wanting to try something new. And what was your experience? How did you get there? Well, Honestly, it started with my my the house where my mom had when we were you know growing up or whatever. She had bought the house up there, right? We ended up 
basically it was just, she left it to me. You know, I came back from Arizona and she left the house to me. So it was just me in this house. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like, what am I going to do in this big house? And, um, <clears throat> during that time, you know, I had a couple friends that were also doing music and stuff. And so we kind of just started staying together a little bit and him and his girl had a baby and, you know, so on and so on. And my girl, she was just getting, well, I think pregnant or soon to be one or the other. And then all of a sudden my mom wanted to move back home. So now there was like, it would be like five of us back in the house. And so now all of a sudden there was a lot of people in the house. And we're like, okay, I don't know about this. So I tell my friends like, okay, my mom's coming back. I don't, I don't know. You guys are going to have to move back to Santa Cruz. I think I'm sorry. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so that was like the first time. And then um, just long story short, I ended up, we ended up losing the house. And so we had to find a next house. You know, and so we just kept looking and looking and we found a house and that's what moved us out of the area back to like more around Southeast Portland, outer Southeast Portland. And we found a house there and it was a pretty large house. And during the time, my wife's, um, her father was just recovering from a stroke and he was moving back from Philadelphia and he basically had nowhere to live. So was like can my dad live with us okay so he moved in and my mom was like the same thing basically she was like i don't want to live with my ex anymore basically you know what i mean and so then my mom was like you guys got all these rooms can i have a room too so boom so my mom moved in so it's my mom her dad you know and then i used to have like band practice every day at the house. And so and now I have the second kid has come. I'm still working in this cannabis thing too in California, you know, all during this. So like f four to five months out of the year, I'm usually gone anyways. But that started it. That started like having every, the whole family just in one place, you know? And then um, that house got sold. And so we started looking for, you know, a bigger house. Lo and behold, an 11 bedroom house popped up. So we were like, I think uh, I've never seen anything like this before. So that's got to be some kind of sign that, you know, we're trying to live this way and we're looking, we need a bigger house. And then it just pops up. So we get the 11 bedroom house. We end up filing for it, get it, no problem. So again, it's my family, my mom, and her father, my wife's father, and now a next friend of mine and his wife and their two children. And things didn't work out with them living in the house, which was strange because we were like really, really good friends. We ran music business together, everything, but that actually didn't work out, you know? So it's all about the right people. And the next people that moved in, which was actually working on my side of the label in the first place, they all, we all just moved into one place. So all of our music, everything, all, everyone just all lived in one place. So the energy became so connected that 
our, we can accomplish like pretty much anything we tried to do. If we wanted to throw, we threw, you know, a couple of big festivals in Portland and, um, we toured for years, you know, about 10 years straight, really with, um, perfect get and some of the judgment yard, you know, doing shows with Sizzla and just doing a lot of works. Yeah. That whole connection of being able to be in one place just all made it happen. That's, it just, it glued, it just kept us glued and it kept the, it kept my trod on the, this whole entire time. I'm this walk of life I'm on. It kept it glued together. You know, like what I was pursuing was the, definitely the correct thing. And what more confirmation do you need than to have like your mother there? You know what I'm saying? So my mom is there witnessing it all, you know, and, um, and her father on this trod also came and found his faith and, and came into Rastafari same way. So it was like this double blessing. Now her father is trotting the same trot that we're all on. We all see everything the same, you know, and yeah, you know, rest in power. Ja Timms, he, he passed away, you know, about two years ago now. He um, contacted cancer and he was someone that went to Vietnam and got sprayed by the Agent Orange shit. And, and you know how the military is with trying to own up to taking, you know, I would say credit to places they, they lie and say they weren't where they were. But now all of a sudden they are trying to appease it and everything, but it was a big stress on his life, you know, trying to heal from this, uh, this disease basically from chemical warfare, you know, there's no other way to look at it. And so he was definitely someone that was very awake about, um, the consequences of our actions as a government, you know, in this world. So, yeah, he was a he was a very very powerful teacher for me, you know. So, what did you find in the the community of Rastafarianism? What did you find in that that helped you? You know, just helped you when you were young. Well, I I would say, and now. It was just as someone that was like reading the Bible constantly, there was just these signs always, you know, these signs, you know, and then my dad was like someone that read a, a lot of books and followed Marcus Garvey and ran with the Black Panthers and did a little bit of security for them and did some things. So I was always in this black power liberation movement as a youth when I was with my father or, you know, when I was, when I lived in California, that was one big part of my life, you know, and a lot of, um, dedication and, um, we would say livication to social services. And so like my dad worked for the boys and girls club and a lot of my uncles did a lot of my uncles, a lot of people I say are my uncles are my godfathers. I had a lot of godfathers and a lot of, you know, um, that spirituality just came from within, from those times and in searching and in that liberation struggle, it was awakened, you know, I can find it in the Bible and see it clear. 
this man was born in Ethiopia. And then you have Marcus Garvey that says that this man is born in Ethiopia shall be crowned the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the conquering lion of the tribe of Judah, elected himself in light of this world, his own divine majesty, Emperor Ali Selassie, you know? So you start finding this is truth and there's words, there's like word sound and power and there's a truth to certain things. And my family has a lot of um, Eastern African influence. My aunt comes from Kenya and uh, my fam my uncle married her family into our family. So it's Kaboga Millers is my mom's side of the family. And uh, so I learned a lot of African spirituality from a youth, you know, that's how I grew up as a kid. And a next, I, I call her my aunt, you know, she's not my blood aunt, but I call her my aunt. She helped raise me when I was a youth. It's my aunt, Michelle. She's from Jamaica. And so she brought me to Jamaica when I was 12. And I got to spend some time there, like a summer, you know, with her family, with her mom, and to grow up like a kid in Jamaica, you know? And so that kind of taught me a different, a different side, especially being born in America. You, it's like, you see black neighborhoods, but trust me, you've never seen a black neighborhood until you've gone to Jamaica as a kid, you know? That's like the first time you're like really awoken as a kid, you know? And um, just those experiences in the first, you know, first Rastaman me a counter from those times I remember. And then growing up in California, I was always glued to to listening to the, you know, the Rastaman on the street, basically uh, playing basketball, you know? There would always be one Rastaman to come play basketball and tell the youth to basically behave and try to hold the order, you know? And you just had to really listen to what he was talking about and trying to figure it out. And then once I knew I just had those connections, the connections were just too strong that it, I couldn't really like, I might have say I couldn't avoid them, but it's like, that was part of me. You know what I mean? It was already part of me, like choosing to have dreadlocks in my hair before I was really all the way into my spirituality. All these things were all a part of me. So I just kept following what was part of me, you know? And the more I followed what was part of me, the more, I was led to to find next Rasta. And then the next thing you know, you find the next Rasta and then there's 10 of us. And then next thing you know, you know, <laughs> we're all in Jamaica together and we're all the next island together. Or, you know, just again, it's that confirmation, the confirmation that you're just doing the right thing. It made, it, I, I recall uh, the most common thing that you could find on your person and probably pretty nearby still today is that, that connection with the drum. Definitely. Now, when you play, sometimes you're playing for yourself. Yeah. I, I feel like it puts you in different states <laughs> and Definitely. what... What are some experiences that you've had drumming? Wow. Um, yeah, drumming definitely puts you in a, a trance. And traditional Nyabingi drumming is all about the heartbeat. It's all about the one-two. 
And so it's, it's also a judgment call too. You know, it's also a war drum. So it's the fight against all these inequalities we have to face in life. And so there's, there's like, there's dual meanings to it, you know? And, um, yeah, but spiritually connecting, it definitely, um, sometimes, you know, it's more musical and then sometimes it's, yeah, you're just connected, you know, in Rastafari, we sing hymns and different chants while we're drumming. And so just hearing those drums can bring you like into a higher place, mm-hmm. you know, and we can all connect when we're in that higher place. And so the people that know about this, you know, the power of Naya Bingi drumming, they can't ever leave it, you know, it can't ever be denied because it's like a higher power. And it's, it's, yeah, it's that heartbeat. It's a heartbeat and it's, it's your ancestors teaching you how to really talk on the drum, you know? Yeah, I heard, I recall it's the reason why we're so drawn to it is again, it's that heartbeat. The first sound man or woman ever hears is that heartbeat of their mother. Yeah. And it draws us there. I love it. Yeah, straight. But yeah, I've, uh, I mean, um, so I, I have had experiences. So, uh, so I happened to my partner recently um, had an experience where she's been drawn to play the drums, and she drums us into journeying. And I've had some pretty profound experiences, you know, with spirit team animals or spirit team on the the middle plane, um, contact with ancestors. Yeah going up above and speaking with that higher self. Yeah. What, what's your experience been with that? Yeah, definitely. Definitely the same, especially like depending on the drum patterns for me is what channels different feelings or different emotions or can take me to like different planes. It's all the same existence. So I'm not going to say it's like going to take me out of my existence. It's not, it's not about that. It's more of a connecting thing that I always feel, you know, it's just a connection. Um, and for me, yeah, it kind of, like I said, it's about the drum pattern because I can feel the connection in different indigenous tribes, listening to all the different indigenous tribes play what different um, ceremonial drums sound like, you know, compared to someone that's just playing the drums. It's like, there's like ceremonial ways of playing the drums too. So you invoke certain spirits and invoke certain feelings and energies. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. (laughs) I've had some pretty profound experiences and it's really given me a lot of tools to like, yeah, deal with this world. For sure. I mean, I've, I've, I've got there too with like strings and guitar and certain different other instruments as well. But the drums are the thing that really is the connection. Yeah. yeah. I've heard some good stuff with like, yeah, like flutes or whistles. Yeah. There's a lot of like, like even some of the, like, you know, remember all the bowls and all the different tones and everything and frequencies of the chimes oh, right. and the bowls and all that stuff. Yeah. 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 I remember that. Yeah. It lights you yeah. up. Yeah. 
yeah, from root to yeah, root all to that crown. chakra stuff. Yeah. yeah, that's right. I forgot you introduced that to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I totally forgot about that. Yeah. Um. So let's talk. Let's talk about today. So you're um with your. You're living with your family and now you're raising, well, you've have, I mean, so you've been raising your kids in this. Um, so I, my experience has been really until my kids got a little, I feel like I kind of went back to sleep for a little bit while my kids were little so that I could let them be um, little and let them. Just yeah. Themselves. Or, you know, and just, and I was in fear. They were constantly trying to harm themselves. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that's, that's definitely a weird balance i'm not gonna say it's a weird balance but it's like it's not easy because it's like you want to draw them in to where your lifestyle is and where you're at but you know that they need their space and they need to be you know kids or children and have fun get to live their life and learn their experiences through their view we can't give them the cheat codes we kind of got to let them live it you know and so just try to expose to them what's real and make sure that they can decipher between that stuff, right? Sometimes they get lost in this little video game world and the internet and everything else, but and I just have to be able to focus them and hone them back in. I think that's that's the main thing is don't let don't let your children get lost when you know what's going on. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's going to hurt you worse in the future. So Or sometimes I approach it from the thing where it's like, I mean, we all decided to live this life together. We all decided to be together. Yeah. And so I feel like I'm, the more I'm open about what the plan is, you know, and making sure that everybody's aware of the plan, like this is what we're doing. These are the practices we're sharing in our household. These are the spirits I talk to. These are the, this is the reason why we pray. These are the, you know, the, if when I bring my kids into that, they're all of a sudden like way more on board about listening and participating and, and actually being more proactive and wanting to be part of the household is what, what's your experience been raising kids? Yeah, I would definitely say that the more honestly, like if you get like, I don't want to say like in a tangent, but like, well, you're just gone in your way, you know, <laughs> not going to say you're lost in your spirit, but when you're in that realm and your children happen to be still around you and they see it, sometimes they question what it is, you know? And so luckily my kids have seen it all, you know, from their whole life. It's nothing like new to them. So they just, they, they question exactly whatever they're, they just have, they're not scared to ask any question. So they'll openly ask any question. And, and that helps, you know, not being like too pushy. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because, um, this is a, it's a spirituality. This isn't like my religion. You know, religion's kind of like a division between ourselves as human beings on this earth. 
it's our spirituality that gives us our connection to the most high. And so just letting them know that it's our spirituality and showing them the ways that I go about it as a roster man, as a way as their grand, their grandfather went through it as a roster man, the way that their uncles and their, my friends around me go through it on a day to day. I think they learn the right questions to ask. They learn, um, I know they know what's going on. That's all I have to say, you know? Mm-hmm. And then they're just sometimes playing the drums. They want to play the drums. Sometimes singing a chant. They want to know where, how I know the words to this chant or how I can say these words or know the words to certain hymns or prayers. And, and I have to explain to them, I'm, I'm, it's all in the air. We just have to grab it. You know, we have to ask the ancestors for the information and how to sing the song, you know? Music was all brought to us by a bird. It's an old, like, Ethiopian tradition story, you know? By Saint Yared. He listened to birds and he wrote down the musical notes. And so, music in, is like frequency, you know? It's all the same sound. So, it comes through you through the heavens, it comes through you through a higher source, you know? And so just that connection with music for me, and then they see the spirituality side of it is always kept them asking questions and um, just aware, aware that that's what they are as well. Without, you know, without a question, they've had locks that are, they've grown their, they've grown their locks long. They've cut them off. They've grown them back. And then, wanted to have them like the kids in Miami, cut them this side, that side. Now they want them back again. And, you know, so I just let them be kids. That part is all just the outside, you know, it's all about the inside. Yeah. I mean, my kids for me are like, uh, they're a reference point. Mm -hmm. I, I have this innate feeling that everything is going to be fine. Everything is okay right now. And, Sometimes it's easy to forget that, but when I look at my children, you know, I see that they are living in a world of beauty and light. Yeah. And I and and we're just trying to find our way there. Yeah. And then, you know, again, that's those ones and ones that can see those things and there's other ones that cannot. There's some that just only want to see the darkness. You know, and so that's why this depravity continues that we're facing in times like, you know, in these times. What's been what's been going on with you, like living in the world and living how we're living or, at, you know, trying out this asking how to be how to live? Yeah, I mean, it's a different time right now because of the whole virus thing. So we have the COVID-19 yeah, that's, that's a trippy thing because it could be this, it could be that, it could be this. I kind of felt like it was a bioweapon personally and so that we don't really know how to treat it on the medical side of the world or like really what to do. So the best, we have a saying in Ghana, is, you know, the best thing for this all is um, the prevention is better than the cure. So we just have to be careful and stay safe in this time. And I know it's like kind of getting annoying especially for 
some of us that don't have the financial ability to just stay put. And so, yeah, poor people are filling the brink right now and everybody wants to do something and move and get out. It's not easy. I'll tell you that it's been rough. I've had, um, probably about 15 shows or 16 shows canceled since this time. So I'll be doing a couple online coming up soon. I have one coming up with, um, I Jaw stars on July 15th. It'll be like a live acoustic set. And then I'm also playing in Oregon on July, like July 31st on like a private, uh, like a private party, like a herb farm down there somewhere. Oh, cool. So, I mean, there's still things going on, but the music world is definitely a little shook up from it. We're all working. I mean, we're recording a lot of music and writing a lot of music and doing that part of it. But yeah, definitely we need to touch city to city and touch the road to really do what we do in this part, you know, of the industry, especially for reggae music. Yeah. Reggae music is not quite uh, the highest paying when it comes to the standard of music, you know? So a lot of times my shows are in Europe or I have to set up tours to make it more beneficial. And so, you know, things have changed. A lot of friends have lost some jobs over it. And uh, that's the time we're facing right now. And then you mix in the other stuff going on in the world. And of course that's frustrating, but I, I would just say that nothing's changed. We've been hitting this on the head over and over and over and over and over again for a very long time, you know? So some of us are just really, really sick and tired of it. And there's way more better solutions on the table that um, if they really were serious, they would listen to instead of like, any of this still continuing, you know? So I just wish they would listen to the people and listen to the solutions. You know, this is nothing new. Malcolm X told us all this. Martin Luther King said he had a feeling that we're integrating into a burning house. And so there's things that need to change about the society if we want this to be a society for all. If it's not going to be a society for all, they kind of need to like expel what they want it to be. So people can do what they want to do and go where they want to go. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> you can't force everybody into the system that's not working for everybody. It just doesn't make sense. You're going to tear down your own system yeah. that way. So that's where we're at. Yeah. 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 It's kind of exciting. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to be like saying the wrong thing. That's why I got to be like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Babylon shall fall. But Babylon shall fall. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I just remember, you know, like I feel like I, I, you know, like growing up with you, we knew this was coming. I <laughs> we got pulled over all the time. Yeah. Like we just would get. I remember getting pulled over, and I just thought that was a thing that they did to kids. But as soon as all my friends of color moved away, you know, and I, and I am I'm, I'm of color, but I don't look like it. You know what I mean? So all of a sudden, I stopped getting pulled over and just realizing, like, oh. Racial profile. <laughs> you know? yep. No one tells you about that when you're like living in a, you know, the Caucasian neighborhood. That's not a thing, yeah. you know, until it's a thing. Yeah. 
and then they don't warn you that oh you don't need to like allow the police officers to look through your car yeah. you know you don't need to get pulled you know you you have to you, they can, you can ask why you're getting pulled over one, it's not just one time i was a little bit older i had to be like probably i don't know 25 or 26 or something and i had taken one of my friends who's um he's originally from california and stuff but he was up here and you know everybody knows him up here in the rastafari community or i was saying up here like i'm in oregon right now but you know what i mean <laughs> and yeah. so um we decided to go and work for one of our friends you know it was a medical marijuana harvest going on so we needed to go and trim so i brought that's a that's the next thing i used to do i used to bring all of my friends that have never been in the industry and take them to go and work in the industry you know so i really got pretty far in the industry because i kept bringing them all these workers you know <laughs> but um yeah so i was bringing I brought my friend over there and we were working and after we left, we definitely smelled very strong and we had, I had to drive him back to Northeast Portland from Lake Oswego. And it was like one o'clock in the morning. And I was just like, you know, I guarantee you we're going to get pulled over like four times and he's darker to me. You know what I mean? So it's nothing like he, he's from LA. He knew exactly the whole skis. He's like, Oh yeah, I know. So we should probably just leave everything we're trying to bring with us like there and just come back tomorrow and we can get it when we're done after work tomorrow. I was like, yeah, that makes sense. And so we left everything. Right. And then we we drive away from the house and we're kind of laughing that we decided to leave everything like, damn, we know we're going to want some of that when we get home. And he, he had showed me that he had like a little bit on him, you know, like less than an ounce of weed, something. So I'm like, give me half of that, you know, and I'd grab half of it or whatever. Nonetheless, there was two cop cars watching us as we're stuck at this, this, this light. It's like they held the light red so we couldn't go. And they were just like watching us. And we're like, oh, shit, that's fast. You know, you said we, we knew we were going to get pulled over, but not that fast. And so, you know, whatever. Light turns green. We try to pull off. We go. We make it like two blocks. They pull us over. They call 10 more cop cars. There's like. 12 cop cars blocking off the street, you know, like (laughs) trying to stop us. And it's like the guy comes and knocks on the door, knocks on the window. And he's like, do you know, you guys smell like marijuana. And I'm like, so (laughs) because I'm like, that's why the fuck you're pulling me over. I thought you were pulling me over because I'm black. And the guy, he seriously was like going to say that too, but he didn't want to say that too, plus your Rasta and plus we smelled all this weed and we just knew it was coming for you. But, you know, that's just is what it is. And so he's like, you got duffel bags of uh, BC in here. And we were like, we just started laughing, you know, and they fucking searched the whole car, bro, and pull us aside. And nevertheless, the car got towed that night because... I can't even remember why it was like they're going to give me a DUI or something. They knew we could smell the weed and we can't find it. So you had to smoke it all or something. (laughs) And so it was like, no, no, just tow the car. No DUI. So they towed the car. It was just a pro, like a big pain, you know? And then afterwards I remember showing them, I had this, um, I had had my medical card. It just recently expired. And then 
So then they were like, why didn't you show me that in the first place? And I'm like, well, that's why I was kind of like, so then I also had the spiritual card, you know, with all ethnogenic practice practices from indigenous tribes. So from peyote to this, to that, to whatever, I can possess that legally with this card, you know, cause I'm, I was in this church, the member of this, a body of this, uh, this church, you know, this cannabis church. And, um, I was showing it to him because it's all, these are your rights, you know? <laughs> so he looked at me and he was just like mind boggled that I was seriously going to try to fight for this little bit of weed I had on me. Cause I didn't want him to take it, you know, and they're still trying to give me a ticket for this little bit of weed. But I'm like, you pulled me over thinking that I had all this weed and I didn't have it on me. So you got to let me fight this somewhere or another. He said, yeah, well, you should probably take it to the judge. Nevertheless, end of the story. It goes to traffic court. I try to get it thrown out and they says, and the, and the judge says, this is traffic court, man. What do you want me to do about that? So I had to get a, a weed ticket. And I always thought that was hilarious because I had to take, had to eat this weed ticket because my medical was expired and I can get it off if I took it outside of the court. So I'd have to bring up the case myself outside of this situation to to get this ticket off of my traffic record for the marijuana. I got a traffic ticket for marijuana, bro. So all of those things that you're hearing from everyone are, of course, very real. <laughs> yeah. You know? It I was thinking about a t- that time when you... We're sl- we were out camping. Oh, and <laughs> you got woken up by police officers. Yeah, right? and then you thought it was us. Yeah, and and I was thinking about how, my God, I mean that like lucky for us that you know that these people weren't trigger happy, or it might have been. I feel like it's made, it's like life has gotten a lot worse for police officers too. Now they're asked to be like mental health. Oh yeah, they're counselors as well. They're all so they're, they're all mashed up edge. too. Yeah, well that so they've got serious trauma. Yeah, that experience was um, very traumatic for me. It was definitely an awakening point in my life, for sure. Because it's like yeah, yeah they roughed they roughed me up pretty bad, and they didn't really have a reason to do that. We were on this property camping, kids. Yeah, so we were partying a little bit underage, but um, private property, private property, which is why I never got assault charges pressed against me. So that was always a good thing. But that was the first time I I felt like I got a little bit of revenge back from how much the police always mess with us. I got to put my hands on the police back, you know. (laughs) Yeah, they were fairly forgiving. So yeah, you know, I got I got mine in. But then getting knocked out with a flashlight definitely doesn't help. And then getting thrown on your face in the mud while your friends are like, what the? <laughs> yeah. It's definitely something crazy to happen in your lifetime. Yeah. But, um, I mean, with every, with awareness now, I mean, that would have, it could have been way worse the life if that was the only yeah. cop there. I mean, people are getting shot. That would have been way worse. That would have been way worse for all of us because you guys were the witnesses to that. Mm-hmm. And so we were lucky that he had a superior officer on duty that was like basically telling him to get off me the whole entire time. Yeah. That's why we had to ride around with her all night instead of being fitting in a police car adequately. Like you're supposed to as grown teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
So what other kinds of what other kinds of like spiritual practices have you been getting into lately? What's what's like sparking your interest these days? Basically, I just follow the same thing. You know, once I found Rastafari, I I haven't changed, and I've definitely I have other friends that are aware of many other things and have changed. Are uh, not gonna say changed, but have like maybe just opened their mindsets to other aspects of things. Like I have some friends that have followed Islam a little more now, and I have some friends that um, got into like more like Zen and, you know, they tried to really, the, they tried some of the Buddhist thing, but it kind of brought them back to the same, you know, the prophet and it's just one in a three, three in a one. There's this Holy Trinity that you have to face, which is, you know, your mind, body, and soul, basically, no matter how, which way you want to think about it, your spirituality, your physical, you know, your your mental so well i've i mean i've recently rediscovered you know and i'm feeling like a lot of the ross Farron communities feels like they're coming together and creating more communities of like i don't know like they describe like describe it as like star tribes you know star star tribes are coming back and then we're yeah we're here to create a new world are you running into that in any of the Rastafarian communities where you definitely are. right now it's definitely a um whether it's a move back to Africa you know that's always been going on in our movement but that's very strong right now and it has a lot to do with farming whether it's hemp farming or you know food farming so a lot of places are focusing their energy on farming no matter which island there are or even in the states here is trying to focus the energy on like collective farming and organic farming practices. Mm -hmm. And um, that's just one of the things that we're, you know, we're good at and we can do as a, a way to bring wealth with inside of the movement. And yeah. so, um, yeah, that's been like one of the, we're like redefining it really what wealth is. Yeah. So basically just like the, pra I would say the practices and then learning the community aspect of life, you know, that's very huge in Rastafari life. There's like, there's different mansions we call it, but each of those mansions, people are, are there like blue, you know, like in Bobo Shanti, Bobo, Bobo Hills, there's so many people that live on the hill. They live, it's, it's hard to explain. You have to look it up before we can really get into a conversation about it, but it's like a commune for Rasta, you know? And they have them all over the world. I mean, they start, it start, the first one started in Jamaica. That's the headquarters. And then, you know, there's a lot in South America and the rest of the Caribbean islands. And um, even the Americas, there's a lot of chapters out here in Miami, out here in Florida, you know, there's chapters. So everybody's still pushing for the same movement the movement really hasn't changed for rastafari since the beginning you know is um to bring back family and centralized wealth in the community you know and if we can't get all of those equal opportunities within america then it's time that they give us the chance to seek our own equal opportunities elsewhere you know from a lot of these islands could be um it could be a different place if they rent at the governments were allowed the people to um, possess something, you know, or possess some of the 
the corporate power from the island or basically it's not easy road as a farmer you know the person that's selling the thing is is sometimes not it's not an easy road for him either he's got to buy so high that the values removed out so it's just this whole lifestyle the whole way that they went with capitalization has just affected every aspect of life no you know whether you're trying to go off grid or you're in the middle of the hustle and bustle. And so part of our thing as a Rastafari community is always trying to be able to naturally survive and sustain and take care of the land that we live on. I I see a lot in that, in your community, that community Mm -hmm. uh, that's that I see in other ones, but it's, it's a theme of, creating art art creates the new world what we're the picture of how we want to live in spirit yeah and then and then on here on earth and that's sort of like the spiritual side and then the 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 physical and then the physical side comes into how taking care of your body you know so that's what it comes back into all this whole natural living thing and you know, that's just the whole, that's the next side of it. The closer you are with that, yeah. you know, the more close you are with nature. And Yeah, it really does start there. Like just taking care of yourself, loving yourself. Yeah. Loving your family. That peace starts at Yeah, home. that little inner peace. Peace in the that world. Peace. Yeah, yeah, like you start off with a little inner peace before you try to get outer peace. And so work on, work on the things that, you know, you can focus on and you can affect the most deal with that first and then you know once you've put some ground in there now you can start spreading out yeah and then and then i i do like that idea of the farming like so now that you've found the peace in yourself and the community that you've grown Mm -hmm. right your family and then going beyond that and um, incorporating the land and re reclaiming the land for both you and the land. Yeah. And then, you know, doing what you can to replenish the life in that land so that you guys can, so you and the land can live in harmony. Yeah. So generationally you have, you know, something to come back to something for your, you know, pretty soon maybe we'll be the ancestors. (laughs) Yeah. And they have some land. Yeah. Yeah. We're not like, we're not like, harvesting the land we're living in the land so that we can reward each other reward each other because we're all it's all in harmony it's all in harmony yeah and then and then yeah and then and then and then even beyond that like you're saying like those communities like then you're finding when you live in those areas where you have like say you live in like a, a like that really good farming where you're living in the land it needs more people and it's like that it's a great counter narrative to that you know you see that oh we have too many people we have too many people yeah, but you, you look around you're like, there's <laughs> land everywhere how can there that is like, not like that that you've driven you've driven across the united exactly, states exactly right? yeah and once you there once you so do that land. that's when you're like yo there's you guys need this cool with you want population control let me show you how you do it Move, spread people out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Give totally. us all our land. Give us all everybody forty acres and a mule, like you said you're going to. And then 
you'll see people spread out and you won't have a problem anymore with your populace per, you know, capital or whatever. Yeah. And then when you've seen these, like, and there's, I I live in an area where that's pretty close to, uh, you know, large population involved in permaculture and Mm -hmm. that's living in the land, incorporating animal, you know, just make it, creating an ecosystem where you definitely. And then it requires a lot of people. Yeah. And you can produce a ton of food. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of, that's the way that the earth really, I mean, that's what, to me, this next like 20 years of life, we kind of need a little change of what everyone's learning and what everyone's trying to focus on. Like that needs to be the focus of everything. communal living growing again eating good food because that's all that's all the medicine you need in the world is all right there and so you know people could find that harmony again it's going to fix a lot of these other problems that we don't have answers to and here's another thing i was wondering i um and it's not just me but i feel like you know we were going to get there right but it was slow going. And all of a sudden this year, even recently in this year, yeah. I'm feeling this sense of like, okay, time to speed things up. <laughs> we want change now, right? Yeah. Are you feeling that too? Yeah. Like there's, there's no shortcuts to this. You know, this is not going to be an easy revolution. This is definitely a long road. There's many, 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 many came before us on this trot and on this path that are trying to enlighten the rest of us and, that's probably why some of us are even awoken to these standards now. But um, yeah, there's still there's still a lot of things that need to change, mm-hmm. and it's it gets rough not seeing that change through the generations, especially through the lens of the generations of of um, people. You know, it gets that gets kind of frustrating. Like someone that yeah. was working for this didn't get to see it in their time and didn't get to see it in this time. And we want it in our time, but are we going to see it in our time? And our kids better get it in their time. You know. I feel like they're definitely going to see something. Something has to happen. Different than we've ever experienced. I think, I think that's what this is more about right now. It's like, no, people are willing to tear all of this crap down until it can't be the same exact way. Like it didn't work, you know, so. They need to fix some things. Yeah. Redo. Redo. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is a good talk, man. Yeah, bro. I, for real. I, I'm really glad that we reconnected. I just definitely. Yeah. We're just friends. You know, we're we're just family. Yeah. <laughs> so it's good to reconnect. Definitely. So what's what's going on with you? Let's 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 plug some stuff. Well, we um yeah just. And I'll put links up. And all stuff. the music stuff down. is all Young Shanty, and you can I'm I'm everywhere, so you can find me on any major platform through music. Just look up Young Shanty and Chalice Row Records. Also, um, Perfect Getamani and Getamani Records. Those are the that's those are my labels. That's what we work with, and um, got a lot of work coming out. The next album, I have, let's see, a lot of major released albums, but three of them, there's been three other albums released since Crota came out. One was like a little 
420 tribute one that got released this year and um poor can't take no more got released last year and smokers music charted on billboard for not the same time but it was like a couple weeks and it was um they put that on the pacific heat seekers chart because it was more of a hybrid project and like a lot of rap songs on it and stuff too so it's more of like a hip-hop reggae dance hall little like a mix you know and um that's out we have rub-a-dub tv 24-hour reggae music streaming and that's on twitch that's on twitch so what else what else am i missing here (laughs) that's about it man just well, if you forget thing. anything, I'll add it in. I'll I'll put it out there definitely for sure. Definitely, yeah. Although my, you know, yeah, I'm just starting out, but I'm I'm all about it. Like this is like what for for me. This is just for fun. I'm just trying to, you know, get those spiritual stories out there, and definitely, hopefully, we can raise everybody up and get that mutual beneficence. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I would say just keep but keep yeah. going, keep doing what you're doing, keep finding people to talk to because there's many of us out there that can help spread this knowledge and awareness to others. And just giving this like like I was saying earlier, that confirmation, you know? Sometimes that yeah. confirmation is the key, so to keep you on your quest for positive energy. So Yeah, I think that's what I, I was so glad to have run into you in my life is that it's it th- that important lesson have that uncomfortable conversation about your true self with the people that you can which you can because you're gonna get sure. you're gonna get to a point in your life where you don't really have i'm not gonna say you don't have those people but that time of your life is not the same you know you're really raw when you're becoming an adult and that and that passage of like what's going to happen to you? Like how much, um, how much pressure you're going to have to bear, how much pressure you're going to have to face to keep doing, even trying to live what kind of lifestyle you want to live, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. Thank you. Is there anything else you want to add before we close? Oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Again, I really appreciate your time coming on. You know, I just, I have so much love for you and your family, uh, everything you do. Um, I still uh, am very blessed. I feel like your wife blessed me with twins. Yeah. <laughs> in some she way. She always laugh at that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I might, you got to be, you know, she might've thought it was a curse, but I am. Yeah. You just got to be careful. I always tell her she has to be careful because she's a very powerful um, person with manifestation. She is a very powerful person with manifestation. Yeah, so I know. I'd be, I'm very nice to her, you know? <laughs> 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 yeah but yeah it was a good talking with you and uh yeah i'll, I'll make sure if you forget anything well I'll, I'll make sure to plug everything you got and um and if you want to yeah um but yeah uh thank you so much for coming on and uh i'm gonna stop the recording cool okay? bro thanks paul all right talk to you soon